I'm coming to your cities. I recently did an event in New York. It was awesome. I loved bringing real couples up on stage. We had no idea what was going to happen. The crowd loved it. I was sharing real numbers. It was a blast. And I want to do it again. I'm looking to coach couples on stage at my next two live events, one in Philly on June 1st, one in Boston on June 4th. If you and your partner want help connecting over money, you want to solve a big financial challenge you have, please apply at iwt.com slash live coaching. If you and your partner struggle to come up with a shared vision of your rich life, if you have different priorities about spending and saving, if you just can't get on the same page financially, I would love to coach you live on stage in your city. It is free of charge. You can apply at iwt.com slash live coaching. I'll see you in Boston and Philly. Um, What the hell is going on on this podcast that like 80% of the people who come on here go through massive screening, fill out applications. They never actually read my book. Is anyone else puzzled by this? Look, a lot of the questions that you ask me about money are answered directly in I Will Teach You To Be Rich. How do you pay off your student loans? How do you automate your finances? Where do you start investing and how do you handle big purchases? I wrote this book as a six-week program so you can follow along on your own or with a partner. If you want to improve your finances, I recommend you get the I Will Teach You To Be Rich book. It has over 18,000 reviews on Amazon. Get it at iwt.com slash book. I lived in a very conflicting house. Money didn't grow on trees and also can't take it to the grave with you. So if you have it, you may as well spend it. I just thought I was going to be smarter than my mom, that I was going to do it better than her, that I had, you know, read the book or listened to the CD and that it was going to be different. But you only have $50 in savings now. Yeah, I'm a frivolous spender. I will just buy stuff. I'll break my back to buy my kids whatever they need. Because what does it mean to you? Everything. It means that I'm providing for them. I'm, it means that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hit rock bottom. Like I'm not gonna fail. I'm gonna do whatever I have to do. Like how could you not grind so hard to get what you can for your kids? It's just like, it's just so annoying that we even allowed ourselves to get into this position. Meet Kenna and Ryan. Kenna's 36, Ryan is 45. They have two young daughters and recently bought a house in the Denver area. Now they have an interesting money dynamic that recently flipped. Ryan used to work long hours while Kenna stayed home with the kids. Now after getting her degree, Kenna is working, making about the same wage, and Ryan stays home. The problem is their numbers don't add up, and they have some serious money beliefs that are left over from their childhood. Today's episode is about money stories, and you're going to hear exactly what I mean. I'd like to encourage you to watch this on YouTube, where you can see the full episode, including their facial expressions and their reactions to some of my questions. It's quite illuminating. I'm Ramit Sethi, and this is I Will Teach You To Be Rich. So who wants to go first and tell me the way that you view money in a sentence or two? It's just a way for me to have fun while I'm living my life. And I feel like I will never have enough mm. Mm. for anything. <laughs> they seem kind of opposite, don't they? Oh, yeah. When did you discover that you had different views of money? Very early on. Very early on. Like I said, she... Well, you were managing the finances prior to us even getting engaged. 
you know, because I'm a sloppy spender. And what was the last time the two of you had a specific disagreement about money? Can you remember that? I mean, all the time, like Christmas time, she wants to have a budget, like $200 hard for each child. And I'm like, but what if I see something that I want to get them and we've already spent the $200? Like, I should be able to go get that for them if I want. Mm. You know, like, I'm more, I'm I'm a spender. I'm a frivolous spender. Mm. What does frivolous mean? I will just buy stuff uh-huh. like just to buy it, you know, like whatever disc golf stuff. I already have everything I need for disc golf, like everything you could ever want. And I'll buy other stuff and then it just sits around and I don't use it, okay. but I have it, you know? Okay. And like with that Christmas example, 200 mm-hmm. bucks per child, what ended up happening? We went over the budget. Mm-hmm. So Ryan always wins. I have a hard time telling him no. And so I'll, I'll set because he did work so hard for so long that I didn't feel that it was okay for me to say, you're working 60 plus hours a week, but no, you can't spend $50 on disc golf or $50 on Christmas. Mm. What was the budget for Christmas this year? Well, I would say this last year, $200 per kid. And then Ryan and I didn't really get anything for each other just because we did overspend on the children. Okay. And so it was 200 bucks per kid. How many kids? We have two, two kids. Okay. And so 400 bucks was the budget. How much did you end up spending? I would say close to 600. Okay. Okay. But that was, keep in mind, like we had budgets for ourselves as well, you know, for me, for her and for her, for I, and we dipped into that and took away from our budget to make sure to make that extra for the kids. Mm-hmm. How old are the kids? Seven and four. He used to work. I was a stay-at-home mom uh, for six years. I've managed the finances ever since we've combined finances when we got married. Um, and I prior to getting married. Yeah, even prior to getting married. Um, I've been out of the loop on the finances for a long time. I was just working, just making the money, and Kenna was handling everything. Let's walk through that step by step. So you were both earning incomes back then, early on in your marriage. And yeah. how long were you married before you had your first? Three years. Three years. Okay. And how much were you both making collectively in those first three years? 70000 maybe. All right. So you're making seventy k. Seems like you could afford to go out and eat out and have fun. Fair enough? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you got pregnant. When did you have a conversation, if at all, that, ooh, we might need to change the way that we manage our money. I don't feel like we did. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like we did either. I feel like she just took the reins. Okay. It didn't need to be said. Like we had planned for one of us to stay home with a child. So we knew that was obviously going to chop one of our incomes right off the top. Okay. So we went with who was making more money at the time. And that was me. You know, simple. And she stayed home. And, and uh, that decision about one was going to stay home, was that a financial decision or a- another reason? Uh, we didn't have children for other people to raise them. Notice how quickly that response rolled off Ryan's tongue. Almost like he said it a million times before. File that clue away. Okay, got it. Got it. All right. So you're at home at this point, Kenna, with your firstborn. And you're also managing the money. 
And when did you start to realize that you needed to tighten things up? Immediately. So at the time, we lived um, in a different city, much lower cost of living, moved to a higher cost of living area when our daughter was almost one. And once we moved here, it was... um, it, it was like, we were, we're going paycheck to paycheck. Our, our house payment almost doubled. Um, so it, yeah, it was pretty about a year in. Did you own or rent? So when we lived in the low cost of living area, we were renting and then bought when we moved to high cost of living. Okay. Got it. And what was the reasoning behind the buying? Because a mortgage was cheaper than rent. Really? Yeah. Oh Yeah. What uh, what's the general vicinity of where you're living? Denver, Denver. Okay, got it. All right. And so still the, to this day, the cost. I mean, the cost of our mortgage is much cheaper than what we would rent our house for. Really? What? Well, uh, break it down for me, because I already have your uh, mortgage here is two thousand seventy three dollars a month. What would you rent it for? Twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh. Now, when I factor in utilities, it's two thousand seventy three plus three hundred seventy three dollars. Yeah. So that's like twenty four hundred right there. Yeah. Do you see what just happened there? They made the biggest financial decision of their lives, and they doubled their expenses. Why? Because they believed it would be cheaper to buy rather than to rent. But in 10 seconds, I just ran some basic numbers with them. It happened so quickly, I don't even think they realized it. So let's just pause and go through those numbers again. For them to rent, it would cost about 2,500 bucks. Their mortgage is $2,073. So they still believe they're saving money, even though they doubled their previous housing expenses. This is basically how most people think. They look at the sticker price and they go, well, it would cost more to rent. Therefore, we are saving money. But once we factor in the utilities that they pay every month, their total housing costs or TCO, total cost of ownership, is $2,400. That's just $100 less than renting. Again, if you have a simple view of money, you go, see, it's cheaper to own. But let's go deeper. What about all the phantom costs, including tax and interest on their loan? What about maintenance, including random light bulbs and a roof repair nine years from now, and even the value of their labor? If you factor in all those things, it is more expensive for them to own than to rent. But they don't know that. You have to remember this phrase. Rent is the maximum you will pay, and your mortgage is the minimum you will pay. Okay. The real clue here, besides even the housing, is that Kenna and Ryan live their lives by telling themselves simple stories. Sometimes those stories might be true. Other times they are obviously false. But without actually digging deeper into these simple stories, they will be unequipped to understand a very complex world. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind-the-scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa-making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found? And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I use Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. 
They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet, and it collects information. It has sensors. The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep, and you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech pod three cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit, E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T for a better, smarter sleep. So you got this place in Denver, you bought it, and you realized that your housing costs and everything else went up. So, uh, Kenna, there you are at home with the baby, managing the money. The weeks that we were sure we would get behind, because uh-huh. we don't, we don't have, we didn't, at that time, we didn't have very much savings at all. Um, and then on the weeks that we would get ahead, I, we would just spend all the money that we were ahead instead of saving it. Okay, got it. And what would you tell yourselves at the time? What was the story you told yourselves? That you can't take it to the grave with you. you may as well oh, spend it. who said that? You or that's, you? So right? That's that's like the the what I heard growing up. What I, a shot! I, 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 yeah, I lived in a very conflicting house. Money didn't grow on trees, and also can't take it to the grave with you. So if you have it, you may as well spend it. Lower middle class. Yeah. I wouldn't even say middle. I would just say lower class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Was it two parents or one parent? Uh, So two parents up until I was 12. My dad passed when I was 12, uh, but my mom was a stay-at-home mom that whole time. And my dad worked construction. He worked construction. Okay. And so he worked. What do you remember about the rituals of money in your household? So there, I never remember any positive discussions about money. There were lots of fights about money. And I remember anytime I would ask for anything um it always seemed like they said no that's i started working when i was 14 so that nobody could tell me no (laughs) like how dare you even ask that's not the type of people we are pretty much what else do you remember about the rituals of money growing up um so i remember lots of past due notices getting sent to our house i remember cars being repossessed um Borrowing, you know, having to call family and friends to borrow money. Um, my mom asking me to borrow money, like once I started working. Wow. Okay. 
And how do you feel about money between, let's say, being a young child and uh, 16, 18 years old? How were you feeling about it? So when I was really young, it was it wasn't fair. I was jealous of my friends who got to go do things, who got you know new pairs of sneakers like in the middle of the school year. Um, there was a lot of jealous, a lot of jealousy. And then once I was able to work for myself, I wanted more money. You know, I, I wanted to just work as much as I could because I wanted more money, and also because I just didn't want to be at home. Um, yeah. And you mentioned that your dad passed away when you were young. Yeah. What what effect did that have on your relationship with money? Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know because my mom kind of went into like hiding, I guess I had to, I have a younger brother and sister. And so I kind of had to step up and like do the laundry and feed them dinner and, you know, make sure that they were up and ready for school. My mom didn't start working immediately after I don't know. I don't think it changed it. I definitely didn't have any more positive feelings about money after he passed. But how did your family make do once your dad, who was the primary earner, passed away? So she collected his social security. Um, and when she ended up going back to work, what were her feelings about having to go work? I don't think she was happy. You remember her saying anything? Um... No, not at the top of my head. She didn't start working again until after I was already out of the house. Did your parents ever talk to you about investing? No. Uh Saving? Nope. Mm -hmm. Um, Choosing a partner, like the role of finances in your relationships? Nope. Mm. Okay. Okay. My mom doesn't even have a um, a checking account. She doesn't have a checking account or a savings account. She cashes all of her checks at King Supers. Still? Still. Wow. Have you told her that you listened to this show? Oh, so, well, unfortunately, her we haven't spoken for like about two years, but... I got it. Okay, got it, got it, yeah. got it. Okay. Wow. All right. So, wow. <laughs> did did you know that, Ryan? Yes. Maybe not before, like we we got really into the thick of things. Yeah, yeah, that's not first date conversation. <laughs> you know, uh, no, no, hey, the all. car's got repoed. Uh, anyway, what what do you want to have for a drink? Like, like oh, ooh. by the way, can we keep going to your house, please? You can right. only order well drinks. That's how totally. I started. Well, Kenna, it's it's re- it's it's really interesting what you said. Something really subtle, you know, that you felt jealous of your friends who got shoes in the middle of the year that is very subtle that the idea that if you're ever going to get new shoes which by the way happens maybe once every four years when you absolutely need them it's only going to be at the beginning of the year and you better make sure those shoes stay yep that's that's life for a lot of people and if you grew up where your mom or dad was like oh your shoes look like they got a little thing on them let's go get something new doesn't matter what day it is. Doesn't matter what month it is. You're just like, what does that mean? Yep. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Ryan, think back to when you were a kid. What uh, What do you remember about money growing up as a kid? Like now that I'm older and looking back, I have a different view on it. But it was definitely acting like we have money, and you know, like maybe the nice house, but you know, not able to go do things. So it it was like a lot of like fakeness in association with money. 
for me, like watching my mom and her husband. Go ahead. Uh, your parents were divorced early on? Oh, yeah. I never knew my dad. Uh, he was just not in the picture until I was already, what, 36 years old. Okay. And uh, so it was just my mom, single mom. And then she got remarried when I was five and had my brother and sister. And then he was the primary moneymaker. She was a stay-at-home mom. And uh, like I said, they always acted like they never talked about money. I never heard them talk about money. They never talked to us about money. I never, if they struggled, I never knew it. Mm-hmm. But now looking back, it was like a lot of false fronts. Like what? You know, like, like the nicer car and the nicer corner lot house that they were overpaying on rent for so that they could look like they had money, you know, because that was a big deal for my mom to, she's like, uh, she wants to be rich. She, uh, she hasn't ri- wealthy money wise. Uh-huh. How, how do you know that? The way she carried herself though. Like always like above, like always pretending like, you know, like it's no problem. I could, I could buy the Rolex, you know, or this, you know, or this car is paid for or whatever the case may be. But like the real version is what we're feeling living in the house with her and not having food in our refrigerator and, you know, not having cable TV because we couldn't afford the bill. And then, you know, it's it's just there. Like I said, there was a lot of a fakeness associated, like, yeah, just play pretend. Like I only saw the struggle once they got divorced and we had to move back in with my grandmother. Oh, when did that happen? What age were you? Oh man. My sister was, I was probably 12. Okay. So at 12, they get divorced Mm -hmm. and you have to move in with your grandmother, your mom's uh, mother. And how did money start to play a role in your life then? Uh, Well, I saw my mom not making money and just kind of kicking back and, you know, I, I quickly realized my grandma was paying for all of our groceries, paying for our school clothes, buying us our Christmas presents. And my mom was just kind of kicking back. And I was just kind of like, like, I can't not have money. Like, I can't be a bum like that. Like, and just live off somebody else and let them just pay for everything and not even feel remotely guilty. So at a young age, I was, I had a paper route. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted a pair of Air Jordans. My mom told me, no, I got a paper route. I bought myself Air Jordans. What'd you make on that paper route? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Maybe like 13 bucks every two weeks. Okay. All right. For What were you, like 12, 13 years old? Yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. away. Right That's away. a lot of money. No, it was all right. It was all right. To think back, to think back on it is just kind of crazy. Yeah? How come? I mean, 12 years old, and you're like, I'm going to go get this for myself. Yeah. Like, you won't tell me, right. you know? Yeah. But then that, I feel like that like encouraged a bunch of bad habits because I was like, I'm going to get this money and I'm going to spend it on whatever I want to spend it on. And if I don't have money on Thursday and I have to wait till Friday to get paid, then that's just what it is, you know? And that kind of built up some bad habits. So when you, when you think about going back to that 12 and 13 year old, and I see you getting emotional what is it that you're feeling thinking about your young self? Just like, what a, how can my mom like fail me like that? Like, how could you not grind so hard to get what you can for your kids? Like, and then you're cool just kicking back and watching your kid go out there and do that. You know, yeah. like I'll, I'll break my back to buy my kids, whatever they need. 
because what does it mean to you? Everything. It means that I'm providing for them. I'm, it means that I'm not going to, I'm not going to hit rock bottom. Like I'm not going to fail. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. Mm. You know, and that stems from me not having and me having to do for myself. And I want my kids to learn the value of doing stuff for themselves and working hard and earning things. But I'm not going to, I'm going to tell them to be a kid. They don't have to work right now when you're 12 years old. Your dad's got you. Mm. Okay. Yeah, sorry. No need to apologize at all. I don't. I haven't talked to my mom in probably six years, just because of all of the traumas that I've had growing up and that, that I've been working through lately. When do you ever get to hear someone being so honest about their upbringing? You start listening to Kenna and Ryan, and I think it's easy to be annoyed at first. Oh, boohoo! You overspent. Just stop it. But as you listen to their background, if you're really honest, I think you admit that you have no idea how you would react if you grew up that way. For example, Ryan grew up in a divorced household and the lack of money played a huge role in his upbringing. And now he's estranged from his mom. I may not agree with his spending habits, but I can totally understand how he got here. And notice the simplicity of the story he's created for himself. He literally tells himself, my mom didn't grind. I'm going to grind for my kids because if I give them everything, it means I love them. On the surface, it's a logically coherent story. But if you dig into even one layer, it all starts to fall apart. What do you think you brought from your childhood into this relationship as it relates to money? So I feel like I definitely brought motivation to earn money and to not ever be in a position where our lights are getting shut off or our cars are getting repossessed. And also an unrealistic an unrealistic expectation that everything was just going to be easy. Because it wasn't easy for you growing up. It wasn't. And I guess I thought because we were both, I mean, when we, we were both working at one point, so that, that was, it seemed like our finances were very easy then. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I just thought I was going to be smarter than my mom, that I was going to do it better than her, that I had, you know, read the book or listened to the CD and that it was going to be different. Okay. Is it different for you right now? It is because I, we've never gotten a shut off notice or our cars repossessed and our, you know, we have, we carry car insurance and the things that, you know, our license plates are up to date and all of those things that you do to be legal. Um, but I don't think that the the mindset has changed much. I thought that I would have like a half a million dollars in retirement. Um, I thought that we would have, you know, be in our forever home, um, that it would be easy for one of us to, to not work. You know, right now, one of us doesn't work, but Ryan still has to work part time. You know, it's not, it's not a, the luxury of just being able to stay home and just be a full-time stay-at-home dad. Okay. So you thought you would have more money more stability. Oh, yeah. What else? Um, uh, more vacations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability to, you know, put our kids in after-school programs or dance, or you know, and not have to be quite so selective about what extracurricular activities they do. Um, 
you know, if if we need a, a new dresser, being able to just go buy it instead of having to like save for a month to go yeah. buy something for, you know, a couple hundred dollars or being able to just not have to look at my bank account every single day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Amen to that. <laughs> Ryan, what'd you bring from your upbringing? Horrible spending habits. Uh-huh. And that that started around age 12, 13 for you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I like I didn't really like uh lack of caring towards Why's, money. Wait, wait, how, how can how, like how I care you... I care about money to have stuff, but I don't care enough about money to I or when I was young in my 20s and 30s, I didn't care enough about money to be wanting to aggressively put into a 401k. Like I cared more about material things and you know, I didn't care if I had to put something on a credit card because I didn't have all the cash for it. I don't mind. That's most kids. All right. Look, I know I'm supposed to be uplifting and stuff, but like most kids are stupid when it comes to money. They don't know anything. Okay. So if some 18 year old comes to me and they're feeling all down because they spend all their money on whatever it is 18 year olds spend money on in-app purchases or whatever, mine field, whatever that don't write me. I don't want anyone <laughs> writing me about these stupid kids games that I don't know. I don't have an 18-year-old. I don't know anything about 18-year-olds anymore. But I don't blame them. Now, I will say you are 45. Yeah. Maybe it's time for us to make a change. What do you say? We've come a long way. We've been together, what, 13 years? Yeah. Um, and so I think we're both finally just like done fighting and mm -hmm. want to like create a create a solid plan that we can just move forward with. I was just kind of like, I'm over here working and I'll shut up and go work 60, 70 hours a week and do what I have to do. And you just take care of everything. Let me know if I could spend some money, you know? I'd be uh, like, Kenna, I want to go out with my boys. I need $100. This is a classic way of thinking for people who grew up without money. The idea is I'm just going to grind. And if we're struggling, I'll just grind harder. I will figure it out. The idea of long-term planning is conceptualized totally differently if you grew up middle-class or wealthy. As people who grew up poor try to replicate that idea of grinding, they often discover its limitations. Here's an excerpt from a book I love called The Power of the Past by Jessie Stribe. She writes, in general, those who were born into professional white-collar families had sensibilities that I call managerial. They preferred to plan, deliberate, mull over, and organize their resources, their children, and their daily lives. Their partners with blue-collar roots typically had different sensibilities, those that I call laissez-faire. They preferred to feel free from self-constraint. Rather than wanting to analyze, plan, or meticulously organize their lives, they preferred to go with the flow and live in the moment. These differences played out across multiple domains in their lives. Now, this book has a lot of complex ideas. Some you may agree with, some you may disagree with. But you will see these differences coming up time and time again across different couples that I speak to. I get tons of email every single day, and I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family, and from you. I use a piece of software called Superhuman, and this is an email software that I actually pay for out of my own pocket. It works with your existing email service like Gmail or Outlook, and let me share how it saves me over 10 hours a week. So here are a few things I love about it. 
First off, it splits my inbox into different streams. So my important emails come into one place. It's not cluttered with a bunch of subscriptions everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts. Unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email, U to market unread, S to star it, J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature, which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in and automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash Ramit. That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us if we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes Peak Tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals, and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that peak tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured, it's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying peak tea, and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. Now that our roles are reversed and I'm the stay-at-home mom, it uh, I, I feel like I need to take some of that burden off of her. You know, I can't just be like, make make the dinner menu. Uh, budget for the groceries, make sure all of our credit cards are paid on time. You know, I need, I felt like she didn't ask me to do that when I was working and bringing in all the money. So I shouldn't be asking her to do that while she's working and bringing in all the money. Why not now? I mean, like we've done enough damage already. We've racked up a credit card, sold a condo, used the proceeds to pay that off only to rack up another credit card over frivolous spending. Mm. So like, like that aspect needs to go and there's some changes that need to be made. So I think it's only fair. So how does money come up in your relationship? Who talks about it? Kenna brings it up to me as often as she can, as often as she thinks she can get away with before I get a little bit fed up. Money has always been a topic that I want to talk about and that I want to be, um, you know, working on as a team and I don't bring it up in the right way. 
I'm not inspiring Ryan to want to help because I always focus on the negatives, like how we're short or these are all of our debt payments. Kenna, how often do you bring it up? Uh, Probably at least four times a week. So I've been reading your book. I'm reading it the second time. Um, Hallelujah. Yes, we are finally trying to automate our money. So Ryan is doing some side work. And so we have finally committed to his side work money going into his personal bank account and that he is going to, that all of the credit card bills are going to automatically be paid out of his bank account. Okay. And that I am going to, um, you know, the, my paycheck, a portion of my paycheck is going to go into a checking account that we will pay our mortgage out of. A portion of that paycheck is going into a high yield savings account, which we just opened three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of it, like I'll pay our utilities with. Okay. So this is the most like automation we've ever had. Usually all the checks just went into our joint account and we paid the money, used it for fun money. You know, we paid everything. I, I just got one question for you. How fucking good does that automation feel? I was telling Ryan, it, it it's awesome. It yeah. finally feels like, well, and because we're doing it together, I feel like because the credit cards are finally coming out of his account, he has, he's, he's invested. He mm. has to like, now he knows when the credit card bills are due. And before, he never... I couldn't know. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. He didn't know the login information. January is the first month that the credit card bills are coming out of Ryan's account. And so far, it's been, it's been awesome. Good. Ryan, how does that change feel to you? Uh, it makes me feel more involved. Mm. It makes me feel like I have a stake in the game. You know, where I didn't before. If you spend more than an hour per month on your money, you are almost certainly wasting time. You can DIY the automation yourself. Get my book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I'll put a link in the show notes. Or if you want my help, join my money coaching program. I will answer your questions on our monthly call. You can get a link in the show notes and you can join for our next call. So I understand that, Ryan, you were working. Kenna, you were a stay-at-home mom. And then this flipped. When did that happen and why? It happened in January of twenty. 22 um because ryan's job was really overworking him and there were every day where he would leave before the girls would even wake up and then most days he was getting home after they had already been put to bed and it was really taxing on his physical health his mental mental health yeah mental health and so in 2017 i started um a degree pro bachelor's degree program And so when I graduated, we knew that that was going to be, you know, the plan that once I got my degree, hopefully I'd be able to, to match his earnings, you know, 60, 60 hour a week earnings, and then he would get to stay home. And were you able to do that? Um, so, uh, in theory, yes, but it, it it wasn't enough. (laughs) Uh, how much were you making at the time, Ryan? Um, 70. Okay. Maybe a little more. Okay. And Kenna, how much do you make now? Well, now I make 70. But when I took the first job that I took after college, it was 56. Oh, wow. So how, So you started making 56. Ryan, you said, okay, I'm going to be the stay-at-home dad now. And how did you make that work? You know, the $14,000 difference. Well, Ryan worked... I got a part-time, I just got like a brainless part-time job just to facilitate that little bit of extra money. Wow. Okay. That's cool. You two are working as a team. It wasn't enough. 
It wasn't enough, but there was no issue with one person working, one not, et cetera, et cetera. No, like I said early on, like we didn't have our children for someone else to raise them. So it's super important that our values are the ones that they're, they're main getting main, you know, yeah, their main course meals from, I guess. Okay, great. All right, I get it. So right now, um, Kenna, you make 70. Yep. And Ryan, do you work a part-time job now? Yeah, I just do a little Amazon deliveries. Okay, how much do you make? Uh, just maybe like twelve hundred a month. Twelve hundred a month. Okay. Yeah, that's and that's just uh, enough to pay all of our credit cards, our personal loan, and fuel my car for the for the deliveries. Do you plan to continue this arrangement going forward? Uh, yeah. I mean, so yeah. I- she- I would eventually, I mean, I don't, I'm a very um, goal focused and um, eager uh, person. And so I don't plan on staying at $70,000, not even until the end of this year. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, we're hoping to get to a point where um, I, you know, am at under a hundred, just over a hundred. And then Ryan can just work like a fun job. He won't feel so and also, once we get these credit cards paid off, that's like our main focus right now is just one by one knocking them off. And then as those get paid off and shut down, we can not have to work as much, essentially. So he won't have to work as much. And then our relationship is totally predicated on like, oh, when this happens, then we'll be able to do this. And then, but then that thing happens and we're just waiting for the next thing to happen. So, yeah. and also sometimes when it happens, it, it it doesn't work out the way you thought, right? You you mentioned yeah, no. you sold this condo, you paid off the debt, and now it's back. Are you worried about that happening again? No. Oh, okay. You're not. Kenna, are you? Uh, I am. <laughs> well, I told him just two days ago that we should cut the credit cards as they're being paid off. And he said, well, we don't have to do that. You guys want to have that conversation right now? I'd love to hear it. I think they need to be cut. I, I think they need to be cut. I think most of them need to be closed. Yeah, I agree with most of them needing to be closed. And I just don't understand like the, uh, the the ceremonious act of cutting them. And like that doesn't you do don't? anything for me. What do you do for your seven and your four-year-old? Is that two daughters? Yes. What do you do on their birthdays? A little what birthday you- party. Uh, oh. Cake? Can- cake, candles, cake. presents. What's with all those dumb ceremonies? Why would you do that? <laughs> well, I mean, a birthday is a little more ceremonious than cutting a credit card, to me at least. What are you talking about? Hold on. Uh, how much do you have on your credit card? Uh, which 20, one? 20, yeah, which one? All of we them together. 30000 That's a lot of money. Dude, no shit. So can we create a ceremony around that? 100%. All right. Awesome. You know what? Let me put it this way. I learned a little secret from my wife. You can create as many ceremonies as you want. Nobody stops us as adults. No. You could create a ceremony every Monday. But for the big things, it's like, we got to do this. Yeah, I agree. I don't even think as we pay them off. Can we just cut them all up right now? I mean, yeah, I don't. It's not like keeping them isn't like some super ceremonial thing for me either. It's like, I'm you good guys, either way. You, you guys want to do it right I'm now? good either way. Should we do it right now? I can go get them right now. Yeah, get them. This is this cool. is so big. This is huge. Is it huge? Okay. How many are there? Two. 
five. All right. So where's the scissors? No, we have a shredder. Oh, well, I need to see it happen. Yeah, Kenna will show you. It's right underneath her. It's at her knees. Okay. I'll, I'll walk these down to her right now. Yeah, yeah. Hold the camera up and let's get these things going. Okay. All right. This is a big moment. Uh, are you guys going to like do some kind of chant or song or something? What are we going to do to make this theatrical? Uh, what about a big hug and a smooch? Yeah, that sounds great to me. Sounds good to me too. Let's get it on camera. <laughs> what, what would you? What would you rather have? No, no, that's maybe, maybe some like pitchforks and you uh, know go down there like. I like it. It's meaningful to you. I am. I'm your happiest right. spectator. I'll be right back. All right. <laughs> I'm so proud of him. I might cry. This is cool. I'm trying to see if I can. The shredder doesn't have a very long cord. Oh, it's fine. Are you okay? Yeah. Are you sure this is something yeah. you want well, to do? I don't want to use them anyway. Can I have a hug? Yeah. Okay, you'll, you'll, okay, you hold that. Oh, there okay. we go. There we go. Great, great, great. It? Okay, yes, go ahead. Let us hear that Ooh. sound. So satisfying. Is that thing shredding? Yeah. Okay. There we go. What does it feel like to see these things going down the tube? Okay. It, for me, it like signifies that Ryan is really is really like on board. And that he wow. really means it when he says that he's ready to like get out of debt. I think that's so cool. Hey, round of applause. I will take the win. That was awesome. Good that job, was so babe. cool. Are you crying? No. I don't have emotional attachment to these things. I just never had anything. Like, I think like really like what set the tone for like me liking the credit cards was we went to apply for a home loan. And they were like, dude, you're like a ghost. You don't have any credit. And I was like, boom, on top of the, my game, you know, I don't owe anybody anything. And they're like, no, that's not the way it works. So, you know, we, we all do the best we can with what we're taught. You were never told anything about money. Okay. But now you're married. Now we're here. So let's get it to the next level. No big deal. Yep. All right. So first of all, that was awesome. Um, today is Tuesday. I think we've got to name this day. This day will forever live in your family history. What yeah, do you want to call this thing? It. Yeah, what do you think this thing that just happened, what do you want to call it? It's freedom. Financial Freedom Fest 2023. There it is. Sold. I love it. Financial Freedom Fest. I'm putting it in my Google calendar as soon as we're done. There you go. It's a recurring every one year. every year. Every, every year. You celebrate it. You know, the you, you, you all do a cake for your kids, whatever it is. But you're creating a new culture for yourselves. Rituals are always exaggerated. They're always theatrical. Sometimes they're so exaggerated, people put on costumes. Okay, they buy trinkets. And they are talked about. When your daughters, when it's coming up for their birthday, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to guess you say, uh, what do you want to do for your birthday? For your birthday, we're going to go here. It's a thing, right? Absolutely. Well, guess what? You do the same thing for this ritual. That imbues it with the importance that it rightfully holds in your family. I love that. Beautiful. So the two of you will do that. And guess who else you're going to bring in on that ritual? You? Not me. I'm, oh. uh, I mean, you, you can I'm invite busy. me. <laughs> you can send me a calendar invite. I I'd love to come. But I'm not talking about me. Who else is really important in your day-to-day -day lives? Our, Our children. Kids. Yes. So yeah. shouldn't they be brought in on it? 
next Absolutely. Time. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Perfect. Get them so excited that they go, oh, what are we doing for financial freedom? That is when you know that you've created real culture in your family. Oh, I love that. I'm so excited. Ah, I'm excited. Okay, this is so cool. Let's go through your numbers because I, I, I want to talk about some of these numbers and, and what I saw here. Who created the conscious spending plan? We did it together. We did it together. Cool. How, what was the experience like? Good. Yeah, it felt good. It felt good. Why did it feel good? Because we haven't been on the same page a lot with, with finances. And I, I, I get really excited about my she spreadsheet. She gets pumped over numbers. Yeah, my yeah. spreadsheet and like how we can make it, you know, how th- how this is going to work out. We're going to be able to pay extra here and there. And and Ryan is just kind of like, as long as the bills are paid, I don't care. Or at least in the past, mm-hmm. Ryan has always said, as long as the bills are paid, I don't I don't care what's happening. Where yeah. I'm like wanting to do the celebration. You've crossed over. You've crossed over, Ryan. Well, it makes me happy to see you happy. Oh. Ryan, let's go through the net worth section. What do you see first? How much? Oh, assets, 500000 Okay, what is that? That is our cars, our home, uh, and that's it. How much is the house worth? Almost all of it, probably like four sixty. Okay, got it. And your investments? 1000 bucks. Okay, your savings? 50 bucks. Okay, and your debt? 400000 Okay, what is that 400000 Our house, our credit cards, and our personal loan. The personal loan was to make improvements to the condo that they sold. And the condo is the one that they claimed to make a $78,000 profit on, which obviously is not true because they didn't really calculate the phantom costs. They then used that profit to put a down payment on the next house and to pay off a card or two and Kenna's car, but they elected not to pay off the loan itself. I'm going to skip over this because there are a lot of bunch of details. And frankly, there are some much more startling numbers in this conscious spending plan. One of my money dials is generosity. For example, I love tipping big. I love buying gifts and experiences for my family. And recently, I bought my parents a subscription to Delete Me, this episode's sponsor. Delete Me is a subscription service that will remove your personal information that's being sold online. If you've ever Googled your name, you'll notice tons of search results with your personal information being shared online. That's not okay. It's not okay for you. It's definitely not okay for your family, including your parents. Now, Delete Me will remove it all. Your name, address, phone number, all of it. It automatically works in the background to scan and delete your personal information from over 30 data brokers but they'll do custom requests on over 580 data brokers total. The thing is, identity theft is a real issue. An estimated 15 million Americans had their identity stolen in 2021. We've had a number of people on this very show who were victims of identity theft, and often it put them into tens of thousands of dollars of credit card debt, and it ruined their credit. That's why I find Delete Me so valuable. It's a service that I personally use, and I love it. They reviewed over 4,600 listings for me and removed dozens of pieces of personal information. I knew it would be important to protect my parents too, but I also knew that they probably wouldn't sign up themselves, so I just got it for them. So if generosity is one of your money dials, great. If you care about your parents at all, if you have ever given them a hug, just sign them up. You know they aren't going to do it for themselves. 
but you also know that they probably need it. So if you want to get your personal information and the personal information of your loved ones removed from search results on the web, go to joindeleteme.com slash Ramit for 20% off a plan for you or your entire family. That's joindeleteme.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for 20% off. How many of us have come to the horrifying realization that the thing on our to-do list that we've been procrastinating about for months actually only took us like 12 minutes to do? For a lot of us, it's making a doctor's appointment. And I find the same thing with money. People tell me they want to protect themselves, they want to protect their families, but they bury a list of things they need to do and then they forget about that list. Look, if you have a family, you need to get life insurance to protect them. Okay, let's do it in a matter of minutes. And the way you can do that is through this episode's sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Get your personalized quote in just minutes, then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online, do it on your own schedule. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you're not sure, if you need insurance, you can take Fabric's quick 60-second quiz to find out. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash Ramit. That's meetfabric.com slash Ramit. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash Ramit. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Let's talk about your fixed costs. What's that big number, Kenna, you see on the right side? Oh, uh, 86%. 86%. So you're spending 86% of your take-home pay on your fixed costs. What does that number tell you? That's too high. That's correct. What number should it be theoretically? 50 to 60. Yeah, that's what I like to see. You know, we can all argue if I'm right or wrong, but 50 to 60 is a really healthy range. So let's go down the list. Your uh, mortgage is $2,073 and your utilities are 373. If I add those together, that's about 30% of your gross income, a little higher than 28%, but okay, not a big deal. It's, I'll tell you, let me add a little nuance to that. It's not a big deal to exceed 28% for if one, you have very low amount of debt, two, if you live in a high cost of living area, it's basically impossible to do 28%, three, if your incomes are going up, et cetera. It's not going to break you to go one, two, even three or 4% above, but it becomes riskier. It's less money to save, spend, invest. And we're kind of seeing that as we go down the list. All right. Um, your debt payments are a thousand dollars a month. Okay, that's yes. a lot. Now, now I have a question for you. Is that the minimum? Yep. Yes. Oh, that sucks. It All does. Right. What happens if you're paying the minimum on your debt? You never pay it off. Yeah. Years and years and years. Okay. Good. It's good that you understand that. Let's see what we can do about that. Uh, your groceries are six hundred a month. How do you feel about that? Pretty low, especially in like today's market where groceries are so expensive. Yeah. You know, we could probably, I would like to have a little bit more. Yeah. Well, Who does we, the grocery we, shopping? Uh, both of us now. Okay. Right. Well, and we usually go over that 
um, sometimes by 20, sometimes by a hundred dollars every month. Just depends. Uh, but that's the the number we try to, that's our, our budget, I guess. Let's not do this. Let's not do fake numbers. If anything, let's do numbers that are above what you spend because the worst thing in the world is to make a number here on your conscious spending plan that you keep failing. And then you just go, fuck this CSP. We don't even really take it seriously. Well, and that's how it was when I, I tried the budget a long time ago. So I'll, yeah. I'll change this to change 700. It, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather you be realistic and then we can actually work with reality. Okay. Yeah. 700 is, pro- is, is more realistic right. for sure. Great. So nothing here stands out as crazy spending, but you only have $50 in savings now. Yes. What it's do you all think about that? It's embarrassing. Uh-huh. Kenna, what do you think? What's the word that comes to mind for you? Uh, it makes me angry. Why? Because I know better. Okay. When did you buy this house? 2019. July of 2019. All right. So, And we probably had zero dollars in savings at that point. Okay, so over four years, you saved up $50. It's going to take you quite a while to build that savings account up if we're going at this rate. What do you say? I say we yeah. got to increase the savings rate. So I will say, though, I mean, there, we, we have struggled with putting adding money to our savings account, but then being short, so then having to, to take money away from the savings account to pay for our bills. So, I mean, we've had, at one point, you know, $2,000 is probably the most we've ever had. But um, it hasn't always just been between zero and 50. Uh, yeah, I get that. Uh, I, all jokes aside, I really like to think of a savings account as primarily going in. Yes. Rarely coming out. Okay. All right. All right. Let's look at the income. Uh, Kenna, walk me through the income. Uh, so my monthly income gross right now is 5833 and then we were conservative with Ryan's and put 1000. Okay. Nice job being conservative. I like that. Very good sign. Good habits. That's awesome. So collectively you make 82,000 gross. Yes. What do you think about that? It'll be a bit higher. Yeah. I mean once we add the, you know, 2400 from yours. Okay. 82, 84,000. Any feelings about that? Can you make it on $82,000 a year with two kids? Yep. We are making it. Like we're not like we're not struggling to put food on the table. We're not telling our kids they can't go to the water park for their birthday. Like you know what I mean? We we are making it. However, some of those purchases though, we're making yeah, credit, credit cards. And that's so. why we and that's what I was going to say. We're we make enough money to pay all of our bills, but if we didn't have credit card bills, we would have a lot more. Yeah, it, things would be a, a lot. We would be able to. <laughs> you, 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 I'm not sure I, I can buy the thing like, we're making it, but we have over $30,000 in credit card debt. Yeah, so I mean. That's not making it. No, I totally agree with you. What does making it mean to each of you? Ryan, what does making it mean? I could go to that restaurant without even thinking about it. Just yeah. walk right in and get my meal. Okay. Kenna, what is making it mean to you? Being able to save enough that I can retire early. Okay. Um, 
Ryan, hearing your definition versus Kenna's definition, what do you notice? Uh, my definition is very small. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like it's so small that it's like a speck in the landscape of a rich life. Like to be able to go out to a restaurant, yes, I can see why it's important. When I was in my early 20s, I wanted to be able to go and order appetizers because when I was a kid, we couldn't do it. So I totally get what you're saying. I totally deeply understand it. But I also think now, especially at the age of 45 with two kids, there's got to be more to a rich life or more to making it than just to be able to go to a restaurant. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I like, and the retiring like early, I don't know. I've been pretty sloppy. So I'm already 45, probably gonna have to work this one out. And uh, I don't know. I mean, just like not having a whole lot when I'm a kid, like I'm super satisfied. Like if we could sell this house and buy a nicer house than this one and just be chilling on the rocking chairs, like that would be enough for me. Like I don't, so I don't, I mean, I would feel rich at that point. And I mean, I know it's a different definition than a lot of people's rich, but you know, I would feel rich having, the same house for our kids to come back to in college, which Kenna and I do not have. Like we can't go back for the holidays to our house and go to our old rooms. You know, I'd like to have that for our girls. That would be, that would make me feel like I'm living a rich life. The honest truth is that right now, Kenna and Ryan will not be able to live much of a rich life. It will take decades to pay off that house. And that's if everything goes right. If the roof breaks, they're done for. And even if they eventually pay off the house, they have almost nothing to live off of in retirement. There's no pension. Social security pays a modest amount. They are in trouble. What's really surprising here is how small Ryan's definition of a rich life is. We've heard throughout today's conversation that Kenna and Ryan both tell themselves a lot of stories. Well, after a while, you start to believe those stories. Soon, you even create other stories that end up shaping your life. For Ryan, he looks at his numbers and says, hey, we're actually doing okay, better than I grew up. That's a story, one that allows himself to sit back and make no changes because after all, according to his own definition, he's doing okay. But what if I looked at his numbers and I said, wait a second, we have tens of thousands of dollars in debt on this conscious spending plan and you've saved $50 in four years? You need to make a change. That's another story, but it's one that would necessitate change. So the question for you to ask yourself is, what stories are you telling yourself about money? Which of them might be true and which of them might not be? Now, if you grew up not being taught the skills of planning ahead, like we've heard on today's conversation, this can be very hard, but it can be done. What do you think you spent on in the last month that was above and beyond your fixed costs? Well, in the last month we had Christmas, but if you just count like maybe a a month where we didn't have Christmas, most of our... No, no, no. I want to count Christmas. Oh, most of our 600 bucks for Christmas. What else? Just, you know? Kenna's birthday. So we went, we went out for the day, spent about 300 bucks. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Lennon's birthday was December 10th. So we had her birthday party. How much? And 
Um, I think it was like two something, two fifty. Okay. What else? Uh, her presents were a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, beyond that, that's about it. Eating out. Anything else? Oh yeah. Oh, how much is eating out? Um, on a high month, three hundred dollars. Okay, so and that's then seventy-five a, bucks a week. That's like one meal per week. We usually don't even. There's a lot of times we don't eat out in a week. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's um, fifteen hundred and fifty dollars on guilt-free spending. So that is an example where you're in the red. Yeah. You spent more money than you made. And I would be willing to bet that you're spending a comparable amount most months, even though Christmas was in December. There's probably something that happens in July, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes there's a big expense that blows up and we have to amortize or spread that out. So you're probably spending around a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks extra per month than you even reflect here. I could see that. What do you think about that, Ryan? I see you just staring off into space right now. I'm not staring off into space. It's just like it's just so annoying that we even allowed ourselves to get into this position. Yeah. It's like we both like, I think we both consider ourselves semi-intelligent people. And it's like, you can see yourself going down the path and you just don't stop it. Yeah. You know, you just let it go and then, oh, whatever, we'll deal with it at some point. I mean, I've even told her before, I'm like, well, we just make the minimum payments. And then when we sell this house, we'll just use the equity from this house to pay off the credit card debt. And then we'll yes. be at zero again. And then her next answer or her next statement is, yeah, until we get another credit card and then do this whole thing over again. And I tell her, no, like we don't do this over again. Like we dig ourselves out this time and that's it. Okay. And then instead of $1,000 going towards our credit card debt, $1,000, not even $1,700 could go to a retirement account and $300 a month can be for us to eat out. And right, if we don't, you know, like, uh, just foolish in my younger years. Okay. Still well, being foolish today. Well, that's that's what I want to talk about. It's one thing to focus on what happened in the past. What happened in the past happened. But what is more concerning is the beliefs and behaviors that you're bringing to today's money. Okay. We can't change that you have 30 plus thousand dollars in debt, but we can change the way that you think about money, talk about money, and behave with money. So think about money. As an example, the idea that like we can just sell this house and roll over the equity and cash out and blah, blah, blah. Uh-uh. You, you don't even really know how much you made from your last house. In fact, you made a lot less than you think. So yeah. we're not going to play that game because we already know where that one ends up. It ends up with you back in debt. That's a gimmick if you really get honest with yourselves. We're going to like magically cash out our house ATM and then all our problems will vanish one day. Uh -uh. Yeah. That's not happening. So that's think. We're going to change that. Talk about money. Like It's not so bad if we just eat out. Um, we need to get Christmas gifts. I need to provide for my children in this way. You can provide yourself right into the ground. Yeah. That's talking. And behaving is everything from 
how do the two of you talk about money? Who brings it up? Uh, and most importantly, what about your spending? Where are you swiping your card? What are you buying? What is around you physically in this room that you're in, in your closet, in your garage, even your house itself? That is all a reflection of your behavior, behaving. So think, talk, and behave. We've got to change all of it. The bad news is this is really hard. It's hard because it's been part of you both for over 13 years, and it's now part of your dynamic. It's woven in. But the good news is I believe you can change it. And if you do, and if you really both get on the same page and you're rowing in the same direction, you can make rapid changes to your finances. Like You will make rapid changes. Within six months, you will start to see huge changes. How do you feel hearing that? So excited. I feel like if in six months that's happening, I will be or super like, you know, just happy and impressed. Awesome. You know, because it's a it's a huge move for us. Yeah. Like we've been we've been okay living paycheck to paycheck and we've been okay doing what we've been doing. Yeah. You know, at least we've been able to justify it to ourselves. Yeah. You know, as right it could be wrong. You know, we we're you know, I'm not saying we were right, but it, yeah. it's just enough is enough. Yeah, enough is enough. A rich life has got to be about your children. It's got to be about the two of you. It's got to be about who you are, your actual identity, not the fake identity that you mentioned, Ryan, the one that you said you consider foolish. Remember that? It's the one that you really are. So reconnect with that and tell me what, what is going through your mind, your rich life. I don't ever have to worry about any of our bills being paid for. There's always positive money left over at the end of the month, you know, and we're putting that positive money into the right places. We're not just, oh, we have positive money. Let's go out to sushi. We're actually like, hey, we have positive money. Let's do this with it to help make this happen. And and what is the role of your daughters in this rich life? What are they observing? Good, excellent spending habits. Um, I guess like we're pretty open with our kids. So I guess we would bring them in for a conversation about it. So, you know, there would be the, the, the vocal part of it, of us teaching them like, hey, we're doing this. This is why we're doing it. You know, these are the reasons. And then, the, and then you know, when they see the fruits of our labor and they see us sitting on that rocking chair in the front porch, at the same house we've been in for 30 years. Yeah. That's rich. That's beautiful. All right. You get the privilege of taking them on a journey with you. And the journey for the two of you is going to be tough. But as far as your kids are concerned, they don't know. Seven years old, everything's exciting. So you get to create whatever story of that journey you want. And they experience it like that's the magic of childhood. Yep. Kenna, what about you? What's your rich life? Uh, like I like I said before, you know, the bills are are paid automatically. I don't have to worry about if one has gone up ten ten dollars that month. There's just always enough um, that I'm able to save way more aggressively for retirement. That our kids can participate in extracurricular activities with no questions asked. That we are able to donate to charities and 
volunteer our time with our children um, that we're able to give them a, a an allowance. I could literally go on and on. <laughs> Love it. You have thought well, about I have this. my journal in front of me from your book, like about what a rich life means to me. I'm trying not to read it. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I, I have a very extensive, very thorough, very vivid list. Beautiful. All right. Stay there. What we want to do is we want to find a way for you, not me, you're going to do it, to give yourself some breathing room. Because right now you're wound too tight. There's no extra money. You're actually spending way more than you even realize here. And it's tough. We got to get out of this cycle. So how do you think that you can do that? As a good guideline, your fixed cost should be 50 to 60% of your take home. That's just a general guideline. How do you think you can give yourself some breathing room here? I'll be asking for a raise shortly. I'm currently like trying to explore some options where I could bring just a little bit. Like I don't want to overextend myself and take myself away from my kids and not be able to provide for them in the manner that they need. But I'm exploring options of trying to bring in maybe just two, three, four hundred more dollars a month and then using that money to start chopping down some of the credit cards that I'm responsible for. So, Kenna, you said you're going to ask for a raise. Yeah. Let's just assume you get it. And if you don't get it, you switch jobs and find a place where you do get it. Yeah. How much is your take-home income going to be then? $6,666.66. So right now, your fixed costs represent 88% of your take-home. Go ahead and make that change to your income. And then Ryan, Ryan's also oh, going to oh, make... Oh, oh. Before, oh, before we go on, let's take a second. That yeah. was pretty cool. That number was at 88% of fixed costs. What is it now? 81. Wow. Okay. Round of applause. I'll take the win. That's a big move in the right direction. Yeah. So that raise is pretty important. Yes. Oh, yeah. How likely are you to get it? Uh, pretty darn likely. Ryan, so you mentioned you want to pick up an extra 400 bucks a month? Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and model that in. Ryan, why don't you type that into the CSP? He's 1099. So I take more. I withhold more federal um, and state taxes because he's a 1099 employee. Perfect. So what what should we put for his take home then? Well, if I have 1400, I'm taking on 1400. All right. Another round of applause. We're down to 76%. Well done. We're going in the right direction. Nice. All right. So what this tells me is it's really important that both of you increase your income. So while I do appreciate and I support that each of you has modeled in making more, I don't think it's realistic. Well, for, 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 for me, it's realistic because I, I don't take on very much right now yeah. as far as like hours go. So I can definitely like increase my income. Like, like it's, that would be no problem. But like you're even, already, you're, hold on, you're already making $1,000 a month, mm-hmm. even 1200 You said you want to increase that to 1400 Great. Can it go higher than that? It would just really, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it could. It just gets stressful because I take care of the kids. So then I feel like I'm shortchanging my children on like time and, you know, energy that they need. Like right now, I could, I just can't overextend myself. Like I already tried that and just not being able to give my kids what they needed as far as energy levels go because I needed to sleep because I was working late. It just felt like I was just shortchanging them and that wasn't fair. I totally get you. 
So let's let's be intellectually honest in our CSP. Like you're not going to earn way more for the next year. No. You're not. That's okay. Let's not say that you're going to. And let's recall that even in this we you're you know you're still spending way more in guilt-free spending. I put the 1550 down there. So what is the biggest area of guilt-free spending right now? Birthday celebrations. Celebrations. And generally Ceremonial speaking. celebrations. Yeah. I think generally speaking, it's the kids. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. Just like that simply. Really? But it's the kids. Let's get rid of them. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I love my kids. If you ever watch Holy this, shit. I love now that that is good. Now that's a funny mom right there. Let's sell them. We could probably yeah. make a pretty good profit. We, we invested seven years. We yeah. could pay off all of our debt. <laughs> oh my god, I might get in trouble for airing this myself. That was good though. That was good. We're, I think we're going to be okay. So, so that's really interesting, right? You never thought of kids as your most expensive discretionary expense what why is that because they just get everything that i never had and i couldn't care less like i know i need to care i know obviously but like like i said like it fills something inside of me being able to like even give them something material because i didn't have that when i was growing up what else didn't you have love uh your dad wasn't around finance no i didn't have financial guidance i didn't yeah do your daughters have their dad around yeah 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 they have love from their parents apparently present what do you think they would choose uh water park or having dad around having me no doubt i am the best <laughs> At least the best to them. I think you're right. But from you looking back at your childhood, you had a really different perspective as an adult on what you saw. If we stopped right now and I came back 20 years from now and I interviewed your daughters and I said, what do you remember about growing up as it relates to money? What would they tell me? Oh, they would say we're messy. Keep going. What would they say they've learned from their parents? That we're irresponsible with uh-huh. money. Uh-huh. What else? That we've abused credit and put ourselves in a hole that's going to be hella hard to dig out of. But you, Ryan, give them everything you want. Isn't that love? Um no, it's just uh it's just a feeling that I get from doing it. It's not the love though. Mm-hmm. What is love? What would love be to show them love with money in a respectful way? I don't even know how to answer that. Have you ever seen that done? No. That's an honest answer. Kenna, have you ever seen money treated respectfully in a family? No. Hmm. Hmm. Did you know it about yourselves? Uh... I mean, some things you just don't like, I never thought about, you know, I never thought in those terms. So, I mean, now looking back, hearing the question, like, 
I never saw any responsible, you know, people with money. I never had anybody trying to teach me yeah. the ins and outs. Yeah. But up until hearing the question, like, I really never thought about it. So you two are trying to do the best you can with what you know. And part of that is, hey, we have some money because I went out and I made 400 bucks last month. Of course, I'm going to get you this gift. Of course, I'm going to take you to dinner. Of course, I'm going to get you these toys. It's really simple. It's a simple way of looking at money. The problem is you're not living in a simple world. You have credit card interest rates that are probably above 20%. You have a mortgage with tons of phantom costs that you're not actually counting. You have debt you're paying the minimum for, which because of the nature of interest, you're not able to escape from that. So a simple mentality works in a simple world, but that's not the world you're actually living in. So what do you want to do about it? Change it. We got to stop spending so much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's very simple. <laughs> yeah. So the way that I see it, there are two big things that are affecting your financial spending. Two. Do you know what they are? No, we're looking at them right here. It's on a, on the page. What are the big numbers here? One of them is very obvious. Our guilt-free spending. Uh, that we already talked about. We didn't even really factor it in because I'm just like, you guys are spending so much on that. We can't even really count it. But yes, we, we fixed your guilt-free spending. But there are two big things that are causing the financial stress. One of them is in your fixed costs. What's the biggest number there? Our mortgage. Correct. That's number one. And number two is your income. And why is your income what it is? Because you've both said this multiple times today, you agreed you don't want to have somebody else raise your kids. Yeah. Fair enough. That's a value. I'm not here to tell you what's right or wrong, but it is causing you to not be able to make as much as you ordinarily would. Yep. And guess what? Back in the day, that was actually perfectly fine. Didn't both of you grow up with one primary earner and the other person stayed at home? Yep. And do you think maybe that affected the way that you see how you raise kids and make money? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And yet you live in Denver. It's not cheap. No. Housing is expensive. Food is expensive. All these expenses, if you were to go back and talk to your parents, they'd be like, are you kidding me? There's no way. Yeah. So you are playing a one earner game in a two earner world. We know that. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to fight tooth and nail to not be part of, we're not the norm. I got you. You're not the norm in the sense that one of you is staying home. I mean, and it's stay at home yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, Quite yeah. unusual. That's what I mean. Like a lot of people we know, they're just like resigned to the fact that their kids are going to be in daycare and they're going to be both working yeah. and they have the extra money to do all this stuff. Hmm. And we're not willing to sacrifice that. Like okay. these girls are too important to us. Okay. Okay. So then how do you want to get on financial track? Oh, man. I guess I have to take on a little bit more for work. I guess instead of $400, I need to like get myself a 30 hour a week job so I can increase that to 
a thousand dollars a week. Okay. And uh, what would happen to that uh, fixed cost number, Ryan? What do you see? It went down to fifty six percent. Okay. Wow. Um, whether or not you agree to do that, I would like everyone to give everyone a round of applause because wow, that was a breakthrough. At least you know it's an option. Not saying you got to do it, but you just created one path towards relief. Well, and I, I think in my mind, like, yes, it's it's a lot now, but if we did that, we would have way more money to put towards the debt and the debt would be paid off sooner. So then you wouldn't have to work 30 hours a week for that long. So if my income went up, there is no reason for that income to go to your side for things that you've already gotten control of. I can just. Well, and we could put. And I mean, even even if it was like conservative that I made a thousand dollars extra a month, that's still a thousand dollars in payments a month. And then we're talking in four months, one of the credit cards is gone. Before that. And four months later, another credit card is gone. But it sucks in it sucks in the meantime for me because I have worked so much and missed out on so much with the girls that I'm really like relishing in what I have right now. Okay. Can you connect with what your rich life is and what Kenna's rich life is and also how you want to raise your girls, what lessons you want to teach them? Would this help that vision or would this decision hurt that vision? That's something I would need to think on. I mean, I lean towards help. Okay. If you decided to do this, Ryan, to work a little bit more, what would you tell your daughters? Visualize it. I would just tell them, you already know what this is because you've seen this life before and I'm just doing this in a short term. I don't want that. And, you know, I, I don't want that. I don't and want I anything. Know you don't want to, but you asked me what I would do. That's the old Ryan. I want the new Ryan who's thinking, what are my daughters going to say when Ramit interviews them in 20 years? You have the chance to create their experience for them. And if you say, you know this, you've seen this, it's just, it, there's More no magic to that. No. Yeah, it's no magic. It's just so perfunctory. Ah, oh, you've seen this, blah, blah, blah. This is a chance to create magic. Okay? It's like the first time you took them on an airplane. Oh my God, there's going to be the pilot. Then they're going to give you peanuts. It's like, whew, as an adult, who really gives a shit? But as a kid, it's like, oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah, mind blowing. Yeah. So do that. Again, let's assume you work more. Maybe it's 20, maybe it's 30 hours. What would you tell them? We've put ourselves in a bad spot financially and we're going to dig ourselves out. And I'm going to sacrifice a little bit of time so that I can make sure we're in a better place that we're not in the same place next year. That I don't have to come and talk to Ramit, get all emotional, and, you know, like, we can talk and be happy for all the steps that we've made. Okay. 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 Kenna, what do you think about that? I love it. Yeah. What do you love about it? I just feel like he's he's invested. Like, he believes that there's a way out and he sees the light even if it's really really small that he sees the light yeah because i i the way that i was expressing it you know our it it just wasn't it wasn't resonating with him it wasn't hitting what it's hitting right now okay ryan you could do the thing that you just said with your daughters 
it's heartfelt. It's a little depressing. I mean, if my dad starts crying as a seven-year-old girl, I'm going to start crying, okay? Now, maybe that's going to happen, but maybe I can give you another tool, another way. You say, you know what? Mom and I are going to make some changes. And we sat down and we started reading a book on money. And we like money. We use money to pay for our beautiful house. We use money to send you to play soccer. Money is important to us, but the only thing more important to us is our family. So we sat down and mom and I talked about how we want to spend our money. And we know that we overspent. It's like if you have $100 and you go to the sport and we spent $120. It's not good, but we realized it. We logged into our bank account and we caught it. And so we are going to work a little extra so that we can pay off all of our debt and we can start fresh. We're going to be able to spend more time together. But for a little while, I'm going to have to work a little bit more. How do you feel about that? They, they're, pretty, they're pretty intelligent kids, so they'll, they'll understand right away. They'll get it. Yeah. They, and what do you think they'll feel? They'll feel that feeling that we're willing to do whatever we have to do. Whatever we have to do. We're trying to set them up for success. Yes. Ryan, you, you get the chance to teach them an incredibly valuable lesson. Incredibly valuable. Which yeah, is one, that one that we weren't taught. Exactly. Parents make mistakes sometimes, but only a very small amount of them actually admit that. And hardly any of them ever talk about it with their kids. What do you think your kids will remember 20 years from now about that lesson? When I talk to them 20 years from now, what lesson are they going to remember? Don't overspend. Don't overspend. And if you do, how do you get out of it? You work a little harder. Work a little harder. You admit it. You admit it and you work harder. Now that is a lesson. Here's what Kenna and Ryan had to say after our call. Hi, Ramit. Thank you so much for speaking with us. It was fun, informative, and a bonding experience that we truly needed. We listened to your recommendation and didn't talk about money after the interview. Even though Ryan kept bringing it up, which is not typical, but he was excited. Ryan was excited to talk about money. What did you do to my husband? We are really running with the Financial Freedom Fest and are scheduling Financial Freedom Fest updates at the end of every month so we can track our debt payoff progress. Our first monthly meeting went well. It feels so good to be working towards this as a team for the first time in our lives together. They also told me that Ryan is actively looking for a job that pays more and will offer more hours. Here's their quote. We will have the tough conversations with our girls once he lands something. But even that doesn't feel terrible anymore. The example you gave us made light bulbs go off in both of our minds. We are broke because of our kids, but we can live our richest lives because of them too. Then I got a more recent update. I want to share it with you. Kenna said, Ryan started working three days a week delivering for Amazon. This will likely double his income each month. We have plans to pay off our smallest credit cards with his first two paychecks and then continue to snowball the debt after that. We are also looking into all of our fixed costs and seeing where we can make big changes. 
I requested a review with my boss next week to talk about a timeline for a raise. I've made a list of tasks I've taken on and projects I've completed to make asking for that raise easier. It feels like a new chapter has started in our lives and we have you to thank. Be ready for that calendar invite to celebrate our one-year anniversary of the Financial Freedom Fest. Ken and Ryan, well done. Thank you for sharing your story here on the I Will Teach You To Be Rich podcast. For everybody listening, I want to invite you to take control of your money. Two ways that you can do it. One, DIY. Get my book from the library or any bookstore. It's called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And within a few weeks, your money will be completely automated and you will learn things about investing that will absolutely blow your mind. That's the nuts and bolts DIY version for your money. Second, if you want help, if you want to get results faster, and if you want to get better results, join my coaching program, iwt.com slash coaching. In that program, you will join hundreds of other people. You can share your money wins. You can ask your questions. You'll see people talking about credit card perks that you didn't even know about. And I answer questions live every single month. That's iwt.com slash coaching. Regardless of what you choose, remember that you can take control of designing and living your rich life. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I'm Ramit Sethi. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't read I Will Teach You To Be Rich, my book, pick up a copy. You can get it at any bookstore or any library, and it will show you the specific tactics for how to build the I Will Teach You To Be Rich system into your personal finances.